Would you open a Bible with me to 1 Thessalonians, toward the end of your Bibles. I'll give you plenty of time to scroll over there or find that, turn to that in your Bibles. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 is going to play a significant role in our time together in God's Word. I would love it if you would have a Bible turned there. We will visit other places, but you might put a marker there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for the way that you have sung together this morning. Jeremy, thank you for the thoughtful song selections, especially in light of what we want to talk about together. We are so very richly blessed, and it is my privilege to invite you to open communication from heaven and to turn your gaze toward what really matters and to think about why we are here, who we are. And what the rest of our God-given time really is all about. I'd, I'd like to do that using, in my opinion, one of the most amazing statements that you will ever read in your Bible. I don't know if you've thought about it before. It comes toward the beginning of someone else's mail. It was written by an inspired apostle of Jesus Christ to the church in Thessalonica. And over the course of the next few minutes, I'd, I'd love to try and show you why I think it is a remarkable verse that contains a remarkable phrase. The word of the Lord has sounded forth. From you. That comes from what we have as 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 8. Again, very early on in Paul's first letter to the church of the Thessalonians. In God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You see that in verse 1. And in verse 8, we'll talk about the surrounding verses in just a moment. Verse 8, not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere. This was not a fairy tale. This is not a, a myth. These were real men and women who lived in the real city of Thessalonica nearly 2,000 years ago. Thessalonica was the capital of the Roman province of Macedonia. And you can read all in your Bibles, Acts chapter 17, how Paul and Silas carried this good news that we've been singing about 2,000 years later, they carried that good news to the city of Thessalonica. In fact, in Acts 16, the chapter before, is where we read about that Macedonian call that we have sung about. 
there was a call for the gospel to be carried into what we call a, a new continent, the continent of Europe. That Macedonian call comes in Acts 16, and as a result of answering that Macedonian call in Acts 17, the good news is shared in Thessalonica. Luke tells us in Acts 17 that Paul had the opportunity over three Sabbath days, three weekends, to share the good news about Jesus in the Jewish synagogue there in Thessalonica. But there was so much receptivity, so much buzz in that city about these men who had brought this good news that there were some Jews who were very jealous and they, they formed a mob and that mob was carrying throughout the city this news that these men who have turned the world upside down have come to our city of Thessalonica. And so they leave. You read Paul's letter to them, perhaps one of the earliest letters that we have in all of the New Testament, and he describes himself as being prematurely torn away from these new brothers and sisters. I want you to think about how Paul was able to spend just a few weeks in this city. From Corinth, he, he, he spends 18 months in Corinth. From Corinth, he writes to them, just very new believers. But among the earliest things that he says about them is, your faith in God has gone forth everywhere. The word of the Lord has sounded forth from you. Not just in this city, but in the region of which Thessalonica is the capital, and even the region to the south into Greece. Statements like that are so very valuable when life is hard. When you're living in a city of Thessalonica where the, the, the men who brought this news were driven out by an angry mob, the, the, the one who hosted them in his house faces severe persecution. It's statements like this in times of turmoil around, uncertainty within, challenges abounding, generational shifts ongoing. Even when when times are good and it's easy just to put ourselves on autopilot and start drifting, statements like these are powerful because they have the ability generations after they were written to challenge us to really think about why we are here. 
We weren't alive 2,000 years ago. We didn't live in the ancient city of Thessalonica. But the good news made its way to us through family members or friends or co-workers or neighbors or maybe even complete strangers. The exact same thing happened. The, The good news made its way to us. And we responded to it and it changed our lives. And now we are a part of the same kingdom that those brothers and sisters in Christ were a part of. Our mission, though we live in a different part of the world at a different time, with different tools, different challenges, different opportunities, the mission is the same. We'll come back to 1 Thessalonians 1. If you'll turn your Bibles with me very quickly to Matthew 28. I just want to take the briefest of tours, beginning in Matthew 28, of one way of answering what's our mission. That mission is defined all over the New Testaments of our Bibles. A a variety, by God's design, a variety of ways to answer that. And, And we need to look at all of those different facets here and there. But there's one thread. It's the thread that we've sung about together this morning that I'd like just to briefly follow. What's our mission? Well, let's let's consult our king who tells us in Matthew chapter 28 that fundamental to our mission is to make disciples, make students, make followers and teach them how to follow King Jesus. That's Matthew 28 verse 18 where Jesus said, having come out of the tomb door, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now I'm talking to you, he says. You go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Go with me to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, where we read about the acts of these apostles who first received this commission, this mission. Make disciples and teach them to follow Jesus. Acts chapter 2 verse 42 shows us how from the earliest days, Here's the mission. Help those disciples develop a relationship with Jesus. We see it in the earliest actions of the newborn church of Jesus Christ. How? In verse 42, these disciples devoted. Their hearts were in it. Their attention had been captured. Their zeal was channeled and focused and so They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the the koinonia that we've learned so much about this year. The the fellowship, the, the breaking of bread and prayers. You flip a few pages over to Acts chapter 11. The mission hasn't changed. It's, It's defined right here in what we call the New Testament. Make disciples. Teach them to follow Jesus. Help them under the guidance of the Holy Spirit 
use these tools to help them develop a relationship with Jesus. And that devotion that you have as new disciples, that's your fuel for faithful, steadfast purpose. Look at verse 23 of Acts chapter 11 where how early on the grace of God could be seen in the lives of real men and women by someone like Barnabas. And when Barnabas, a disciple, sees the grace of God changing real lives, he's glad, he exhorts them all, remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. Why? Turn a few pages over to Acts chapter 14. It is that purpose that unites disciples of Jesus in churches. Acts chapter 14 verse 21 when Paul and others like him had preached the gospel to that city and had made, what's the mission? Make disciples. They, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, sometimes life is hard, being a disciple of Jesus isn't going to make your life easier all of the time right now. But where are we marching? Of what are we a part? We're, we're a part of the kingdom of God. And Paul couldn't be everywhere at once. These disciples are focused with steadfast purpose and that God-defined purpose united them in churches, in Verse 23, Luke tells us when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 4, where through the writings of the Apostle Paul, we can see it's in the context of the body of Christ, being a part of something larger than myself. That I as a disciple, you as a disciple, disciples all over this world are equipped for work. The work of service. We're not consumers. This is not our spiritual shop that we drop in on or our spiritual gas station that we saunter on in on Sunday morning expecting to be served, expecting it to be exactly the way I want and then I leave because I've gotten whatever it is that I was looking for and now I'm just going to live in whatever way I want to live. We're not consumers. We're disciples. Being taught, being shaped by the work of the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and shepherds and teachers that we might be equipped. Equipped for what? Equipped for work. What kind of work? The work of ministry. That the body of Christ might be built up until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To mature manhood. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We're not acting like children any longer. 
tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful scheme. No, we are people of the truth. And so speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up. If I'm not serving, if I'm not working, I need to grow up. If I'm not active, if I'm not making a difference, if I'm not looking for opportunities to shine and send the light, it's time to grow up into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is how in the language of Paul, 1 Thessalonians or 1 Timothy chapter 3, the church comes to serve as a pillar and foundation of the truth. He writes to a young man of the next generation, and he says, I'm writing these things to you so that if I can't get there, or if I'm delayed, you can know how you ought to behave in the household of God. It's the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. And it is from that foundation that the word of the Lord is sounded forth. Would you go back with me to where we marked our Bibles, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1? Would you, would you zero in your attention with me for the next few minutes on how in 1 Thessalonians 1 we've got such a powerful case study of how this happened, what it looked like. I want you to see it in your Bible, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 6. How did this happen? Well, they had to receive the word, verse 6. You received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. That word was calling them to turn, repent, turn away from sin and selfishness toward God. Verse 9, they, they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Having turned, they were to lead a different sort of life, not not like the rest of the world that does not know God or have any interest in serving God. No, you, verse 6, became imitators of us and of the Lord. But remember there is a mission and these disciples then, just like disciples today, were to use the work of the apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers to get to work. There's, there's work to do in God's world that does not know Jesus. And so in verse 3, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And as these ordinary men and women engaged in this work, they came to be 
examples. That's, that's what it's all about. That's what it looks like to understand what's our mission. You became, verse 7, an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. And here is our key statement for the day. Not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you. In Macedonia and Achaia. Could I spend our last few minutes together thinking about that? I mean, here, here's where these ordinary people were. The Apostle Paul was only there for a matter of weeks. But you can see in 1 Thessalonians 1, the goodness of God, the amazing nature of God's grace, and the power of the good news. An apostle carried along by the Holy Spirit is led to say, all over, throughout Macedonia, of which your city is the capital city, and down into Achaia. Listen, it's a 330-mile trek from Thessalonica to Corinth. How'd they do that? Well, there are a variety of ways they could do it, right? The, the mission, the king behind the mission, the king that has forgiven them and commissioned them, just told them to go. Make disciples. Make disciples of all nations. And so they, they went. And I'm guessing some of them walked. And some of them rode. And some of them sailed. I know they didn't fly. But they took seriously the commission to go. Is that still our mission today? Of course it is. That's why we are gathered in the name of the Lord Jesus, we believe the same word of the Lord. We believe that there are people all over the world who need to hear the word of the Lord. Those disciples in Thessalonica believed that, and so they went. They used whatever they had to go and make disciples. Is that still our mission? Absolutely, that's still our mission. Should we still care? If we don't, we are in eternal danger. Is the Lord still faithful? Absolutely He is. Are we able? Are we able to do what we have sung about together today? Ring out the message. Send it today. Let it cheer the lost and those in doubt, darkness and doubt. Merrily ring, wonderful news, making men free, happy and free. Ring the message out. Is the Lord behind that still faithful? Most certainly He is. Are we still expected to be on mission right where we are? 
today. Yeah, we are. Well, how are we going to do that? How are we in our generation going to step up and do our part to fulfill that mission in our own generation? There are lots of ways to do that. In fact, the more you think about that, the more your mind will be boggled at how these people who lived 2,000 years ago couldn't possibly dream of what you have. At your fingertips. How are we going to do that? Well, maybe a website. Would a website be a good way of trying to ring the message out? I believe that it would. Could I share with you for the next few minutes? Because of the really diligent, selfless work of a whole lot of your brothers and sisters in this church family. What we've seen over the last five and a half years as a result of the website tied to this congregation. There have been a little over half a million views of that website in the last five and a half years. 147,000 unique Visitors. The highest traffic day in the last five and a half years to our website was March 22nd, 2020. Do you remember what life was like on that day? I do. In fact, I had a reminder of that just a couple of weeks ago when I was in Owensboro, Kentucky. I, there was an elderly lady sitting on the back row, and I, I've been to Owensboro a few times. I'm not sure that I had ever met her before, but it was Tuesday evening before she flagged me over and said, You don't know me. I feel like I know you. There was a long stretch when I and my husband were not able to get out of our house. My husband went into COVID with very, very, very serious health complications. Our doctor told us, do everything you can for the foreseeable future to stay away from people. And so we stayed in for months and we started watching what you all were doing in, in southern Indiana. For months and her husband eventually passed away and it took her a little while to build the the confidence and the the determination that she was going to break that pattern and get back to being in a physical assembly like this she knew that she needed but she looked me in the eye and said I, I will never forget how you helped us through that darkest point in, in my life. And I was very quick to say, listen, I, I appreciate you sharing the, this news, but I, I can get up and I can talk. There are a whole lot of people that had a whole lot to do with that. And so I gave her my word that I, I would share because of members of our church family who contributed to make that possible and because of members of our church family who know how to make it available. And ladies and gentlemen, we could recreate that story over and over and over again over the last five and a half years. On average, 
Sunday to Sunday. The church website averages 345 views per day. Has nearly 6,000 different pieces of content. Posts with the most traffic or sermons. There have been visitors in the last five and a half years from 190 different nations in the world. The United Nations tells us there's 195 countries recognized in the world. There are five that one way or another are not represented by, by some visit to the church website. Could I, could I show you where they've come from? Just, just the top ten other than the United States. India. A few years ago, Nathan Soliday poured in a lot of effort to tap into this country that has one of the highest populations in all of the world. And we continue to see fruits of that even today. Number three, after the United States and India, the Philippines. Number four, Ireland. Number five, Nigeria. Number six, Canada. Number seven, the United Kingdom. Number eight, South Africa. Number nine, Australia. Number 10, China. Number 11, Kenya. How are we going to go? How are we going to make disciples? Well, there's lots of ways. Do you believe the Apostle Paul and Silas would use whatever tools they had available? To share the good news? I believe they would. In fact, many of you have something to do with this. The highest referrer to the church website, even slightly above search engines, is Facebook. I want you to hear me loud and clear. You don't have to have a Facebook account to go to heaven. You don't have to be active on Facebook in order to be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. But do you understand that if you do and every time you share, you are contributing not just to a number total. You are helping in your own small way to ring the message out. Why have a church website? Because we want to do everything we can to sound forth. The word of the Lord. I told you that about one-fifth of the traffic to the website revolves around sermons. We have a number of brothers in Christ who sacrifice time and energy. Don't, don't always sit with their spouses or their family down here because they're sitting up here. Why is that? Are they just looking for a better view? No, 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 no. They're... They're up there making something possible. In the last five and a half years, video recordings of sermons preached in this place have been viewed 43,000 times by 36,000 unique viewers on a wide variety of digital tools, more than two-thirds of them after they are preached, not live, but captured and made freely available. 
78% of all who view a video of a sermon are doing it right there on our church website. Could I show you the top 10 of where they're from other than the United States? Number two, or number one, Canada. Number two, India. Number three, the Philippines. Number four, South Africa. Number five, Australia. Number six, Singapore. Do you understand? There is a very real likelihood that, Lord willing, as Bradley preaches this evening, someone in Singapore will listen to what he has to say from God's Word. Number seven, the United Kingdom. Number eight, Nigeria. Number nine, Ireland. Number ten, the Netherlands. Why all of that work? Well, we're doing what we can to sound forth the word of the Lord. And that doesn't even count what gets also shared on the largest video platform in all of the world. Over the last five and a half years, 94,000 views. There are 475 people who subscribe to, I want you to listen to me, what John Barger and Tyler Burden and Delbert Cagle and Dylan Culver and Sam Harbour and Zach Goldman and Jacob Jackson and Tanner McReynolds and Craig Nifong and Dan Mercer and Bryce Polk and Dan Reffitt and Tom Schellenberg and Carter Soliday and Russell Terry have made available by using their talents to help us ring the message out. And so after the United States, number one is the United Kingdom. Number two is Canada. Number three is Italy. Number four is Australia. Number five is Spain. Number six is Brazil. Number seven is India. Number eight is Japan. Number nine is Germany. Number ten is the Philippines. Why are we doing that? Because we want to do everything we can to sound forth the word of the Lord. Many of you who are parents or, or grandparents have children who have been engaged since COVID days in this little project we call building blocks. Dylan and Emily Culver have sacrificed hours upon hours voluntarily meeting me up here every Thursday just recording really basic videos. And, and we use those in our Bible classes. But do you understand that those get shared online? And over the last two and a half years, these basic questions, here are the top ten that we've looked at, have been viewed more than 11,000 times. You know, the, the number one country after the United States that has been apparently hungry to learn who's God, what's the Bible, who's Jesus, what's the church, and so on, is the Philippines. Now, there's more than one way to sound the word of the Lord in the Philippines. I mean, we could buy some plane tickets, we could go there in person, we could try and find just the right person in country, and, and all of those things have their place. But do you understand, this work is ongoing because of you. 
You're making this possible. In the Philippines and Australia and Canada and Germany and India and the United Kingdom. Every time we record one of those videos, we're able to see where even in our own country those things go through the power of this amazing tools. The top six U.S. states in traffic for those building block videos, you recognize them. Number one is Indiana, number two is Ohio, number three is Kentucky, four Tennessee, five Illinois, six Georgia. We not only capture the, the sermon videos, but those guys up there are working hard to capture the, the audio so that we can make this freely available if someone just wants to listen to the audio. We have 252 subscribers just to the sermon podcast of the three big podcast providers. 560 unique listens 15,000 total plays. In Canada, Germany, here's a new one. Guatemala, India, Nigeria, the Philippines, Singapore, South Africa. Here's a new one. Sweden, and another new one. Tunisia. We have the the Heaven Bound podcast, where a couple of times a week we, we just talk through basics of the sermon, maybe digging a little deeper. On, on Fridays, we feature some sort of a, a special series where 518 people on those three, big three alone, are subscribed. Nearly 3,000 unique listeners, 66,000 total plays. After the United States, in Canada, the Philippines, Australia, Bosnia, of all places, China, Fiji, France, Ghana, India, and Italy. Every time we release one of those, we're able to see where in our own part of the world, we know where the top 10 metro areas are. Number one is, is right here in Louisville. Number two, Atlanta. Number three, Seattle. Number four, Denver. Number five, Indianapolis. Six, New York City. Seven, Dallas. Eight, Houston. Nine, Chicago. Ten, St. Louis. Why are we doing that? Because we're doing everything in we're power, in our power, to sound forth the word of the Lord in, in any way that we possibly can, with audio, with video, with the written word. Rogers jump starts. Go out every time he writes one to more than 2,000 people, generates website views, daily Bible reading reflections. Why are we doing all of Because we're doing everything we possibly can to sound forth the word of the Lord. We're doing what we can to plant seeds. Because that's exactly how the Apostle Paul described it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 in verse 8. Your faith has gone forth 
everywhere. You're sowing seeds all over the place. That's the mission, to get seeds in contact with good and honest hearts. Now, how are we going to do that? There are a variety of ways you can do that, even physically, right? I mean, you could decide, if you meet the farmer who decides to do this, I'd love to meet them. I, I don't think a modern farmer does this. But, I mean, you could go out and you could make a little bit of a, uh, a divot and, and just one by one by one by one lay down one individual seed after another individual seed. Could, could I suggest to you, in a lot of ways, that's how sermons for many, many, many generations were. They, they were preached and then they were done. And the only way to know anything about that was if you were there. And then once it was done, it was done. But you know, there's more than one way to, to get seed in the ground. Maybe I'm going to take a bunch of it and I'm just going to scatter it. In fact, that's how Jesus described the work of the kingdom in passages like Mark chapter 4, verse 26. This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man, if he should scatter seed on the ground, he goes out and he just throws it all over the place. And then what does he do? He falls asleep, but the seed's working. Even while he's sleeping, while he rises night and day, the seed by God's design is working and the, the seed sprouts and it grows. And the man doesn't even know how or when all of this is happening, but the earth produces by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear, but only because he went and scattered the seed. And then when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Now, if I'm wanting to spread seed in, in my yard, this is how I do it. This is how a lot of you do it, right? I mean, a great tool, pretty inexpensive tool. Pour a bunch of seed in that, start walking, pull the trigger. Seed just goes all over the place. But listen, that's not how modern farmers do it. You want to know how modern farmers do it? This is how they do it. Now, are, are they any less sowers of the seed than those first century people just scattering it? No. But like these men back in the Old Testament, there were men who had understanding of the times. That's why you drive by things like that in Southern Indiana. That's why you've got farmers with drones flying over farm fields. Because they're men who understand the times. The task hasn't changed. The mission hasn't changed. They're just using the tools that they have available to sow the seed. Would you agree with me that good stewards of the kingdom in the 21st century have the same obligation? I mean, really. Could I just have a show of hands? How many of you have a smartphone? Would you please do me the favor, if you have a smartphone? That's a whole lot of people. 
Would we be good kingdom stewards in the 21st century to have these tools for our personal amusement and convenience if we failed to use them to sound forth the word of the Lord? I don't know about you. I don't want to stand before the Lord God Almighty who gave me this mission and answer for, you know, Jason, you had some amazing tools and you used them to watch cat videos. And that's about the most substantial thing you ever used them for. Do you think the Lord might have something to say about that? I'd encourage you to think about that this afternoon. We live at an incredible point in history with incredible tools. And this congregation is blessed with those tools because so many of you have sacrificed and contributed to make that possible. Could I encourage you to make this a consistent part of your prayers Lord willing next Sunday morning Roger's going to zoom us back in and we're going to talk about this work right here in our own backyard because the work is not simply out there we're doing our best to be like that farmer just scattering the seed as far and as effectively as we possibly can Roger's going to talk to us about the work in our own backyard Lord willing next Sunday morning in between then, could I encourage you not just to have been a singer of send the light, ring the message out. Could I encourage you to, to pray about that work? If you would like to know the names of brothers and sisters in Christ who have sacrificed a great deal of time and effort to make that possible, would you do me the favor of coming and I'll give you the entire list. In fact, all of those things that we talked about today, on your way out, that wooden pillar right there in the middle, I'm going to make sure that you can pick this up. All of these statistics that we've looked at today. Could I encourage you to pray for the person in Fiji who listened to the Heaven Bound podcast this past week that somehow, some way, that would be a blessing to them, somehow, some way, helping them understand a little bit more how this good news can change anybody's life. Because here's where it ends, the urgency of the, move, the, the news. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 10, Paul says, the word came to you, you received it, you turned, you're, you're imitating, you're laboring, you're modeling, you're sounding, you're sowing, and as you do, you're trusting because... The Son of God is going to come from heaven. The one that God the Father raised from the dead. The one and only one who is able to deliver us from the wrath to come. We've sung together today. There are souls in danger. 
that need the message of saving grace. We've sung about making it known in every place. That we might help the needy ones to know Him from whom all blessings flow. I wonder if you know Him this morning. And if not, if you'd give us the opportunity to help you get to know Him with open Bibles. Our interest, our aim is simply to sound forth the word of the Lord. To share with anyone who is willing to listen what the Lord has done in us. And if this morning you, you realize that it's time to grow up. And it's time to focus on what really matters. It's, it's time to stop living for myself, but for the one who died for me and has given this news to his sons and daughters throughout the generation. I, I, I want to be a part of that. Are you ready to turn? Turn from sin? Are you ready to be joined to Jesus Christ in baptism for the forgiveness of your sins? That, that was the news that was shared 2,000 years ago. That's the same news we continue to share. If we can help you, if we can help you as a struggling disciple of Jesus Christ, we exist to sound forth the word of the Lord, but we also exist to help each other get to heaven. And so if we can be of some help to you this morning, would you let us know how we can help you by coming to the front while we stand and sing together?